the Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld magazine. We'll have Macworld's Jim Galbraith, who's lab director with the latest tests of all the new gear. And we'll hear from Adrian Hoppel of MacLife Magazine, where he does a column about Apple Legal. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Ah! We have Kirk McElhern, and he has lots of opinions on lots of subjects, and sometimes not on others. So here's the question I ask of people. In what ways is Tim Cook like Donald Trump? Well, perhaps when he went to Scott Forstall and said, you're fired. Well, at least Tim Cook doesn't have Donald Trump's hair. We'll give him that. Yes, he didn't have a bad hair day. Obviously, all we're hearing are rumors. Apple made an official announcement about the management change or shakeup. And after that, it's rumors. So it's hard to say anything about it. I'll just make a couple of quick comments. Kirk will probably say nothing. But we have a situation here where they're claiming, because of various reports, that Scott Forstall tends to be a rather difficult personality to deal with. In some examples, he supposedly is the kind of guy, this is just the rumors, they say he's the kind of guy who takes credit for everything his team does and deflects the blame when the team screws up. He's the guy they blame as being responsible for the peculiar interface elements such as contacts and calendar on OS X and similar transgressions on the iOS. He was the head of the iOS group. And... Supposedly, therefore, he's the man responsible for the team that did maps. And the published reports claim that when Tim Cook issued his apology for Apple doing a bad job with maps, Scott Forstall wouldn't sign the letter. Tim Cook signed the letter, but not Scott Forstall, as the executive in charge of that division. I don't know if any of this is true, but that's the story. Also, the guy who headed the retail department, supposedly, he was no Ron Johnson, and therefore he's gone. The only issue which is more important than the political machinations of any individual employee at Apple or corporate politics is, obviously, Apple has the responsibility to dismiss employees that they don't want to work for the company. They don't have to have a reason. It's not as if Scott Forstall was some horrible person. He started out as once considered Steve Jobs' protege. He worked at Next. Obviously, he has a long and distinguished career. So for whatever reason, they chose to make him, I guess, a scaping goat for maps. Do you think that would be possible? Anything's possible. As a number of people writing about this have said, this is all part of Tim Cook turning Apple into Tim Cook's Apple. You have to imagine that in any company of that size, there are cliques and groups and people who are appreciated and others who are less appreciated. And one of the roles of a CEO is to get the people that he likes and that work well with him and basically, you know, trim the people who don't. You know, you, you said that maybe I'll say nothing. And as as I said before we started the recording, um, I don't really follow too much the whole management thing at Apple. So, you know, all we're going to get is rumors unless uh, Scott Forstall comes out and writes a book about it. But I kind of doubt that. And he's probably got a clause in his contract that he can't say anything. I don't know what these rumors get us. I think it's maybe interesting to speculate on what these changes mean for the users going down the road. But other than that, I'm a little hesitant about trying to give any credence to the rumors that go around. Obviously, nobody knows what really happens behind the walls at Apple. There might be rumors, there might be people who feed rumors, 
Or it could be if somebody's took a real disliking to Scott Forstall that people are feeding rumors behind the scenes to make him look bad, which I don't think is a good idea. I mean, people do work with the best of intentions, and sometimes their efforts fail. So, okay, we see here, for example, that MAPS didn't have a friendly introduction. He was responsible for the team that did the iOS and therefore MAPS. Maybe he should have been more humble in accepting blame. Maybe that's part of the problem. Certainly, Apple took a big hit in terms of publicity. So there you go. It might have been just a personality conflict. You know, a lot of times people lose their jobs not because they're not good at the job, but when they commit some kind of mistake, if they make a mistake, doesn't matter how serious, the boss will use that as an excuse to get rid of them. It doesn't have to be because of the failure. It could be because they needed an excuse. Who knows? That's an, that's entirely possible, too. And, and the MAPS debacle was a debacle, especially because it gives the competition a lot of things to criticize Apple about. Now, you know, granted, how much competition is there in Android phones is there's a fair amount. Um, but... People who are maybe considering getting something, they see something negative, like the whole antenna gate thing a couple of years ago. And, you know, every one of those things is just, these are things that companies don't want. And, and the amount of bad press that Apple got certainly could be, you know, a reason to fire someone. Well, part of it is image. And therefore, if Forstall <laughs> refused to accept blame, whether deserved or not, you know, it just may be, well, it's one of those things you... Do something with the best of intentions that doesn't work out. If he didn't show the proper degree, as they say, of humbleness, contrition, the ability to... I've worked with people like that over the years who never accept, you know, who never accept that they've done something wrong, no matter how big or how small it is. And it could be the straw that broke Tim Cook's back, it could be the, you know, that last drop of water in the glass and all those kinds of things. Or it could be something that was really planned from a long time ago. Again, you you said earlier he was Steve Jobs' protege. He'd been with Steve Jobs since next. That's, you know, that's a long time. That goes back really far. So maybe, as I said earlier, Tim's just trying to rebuild the company the way he wants it. Um, I think there's a pretty good possibility that we're going to see other changes in, in the years to come as... You know, as people sort of jockey for position, and as Tim Cook makes the decisions that he wants to make for the company. He's going to decide what team works best for him. And of maybe course. he doesn't and, want and, the and corporate... What team, ma- and what team makes the products that work best for the company, too. And the other issue is here, he may not want to have corporate politics have a play. Now, Steve Jobs may have had the kind of personality where he'd overlook something like that and just say, shut the heck up in words that I will not repeat on family-friendly radio. So he would tolerate it. Tim Cook might like things to be less extreme. And so if people can't get along with each other and you need tightly knit teams with a specific goal to succeed at Apple, well, it was a bad fit. So he said, you know, maybe Steve Jobs tolerated this guy. I will not tolerate it. We've got enough problems on our hands. It, it's it's certainly possible. Again, um, I, I can't really speculate on all of this sort of stuff. So, I mean, one one thing I can speculate on is what this means for the user at at the end of the day. Um, putting Johnny Ive in charge of uh, of interfaces 
and getting rid of forestall could mean that we're going to get rid of these ugly interfaces in calendar and contacts. Um, it could mean that, who knows, maybe we'll get color back again in, in icons in the Finder and iTunes. That, by um, the way, a lot of that responsibility was in the hands of Forstall. So some exactly. of his personal predilections were expressed in OS ten and iOS interface elements. And now Apple could say, okay, let's change that. Yeah, and you know what what I've can do now I think there's a risk that I've might try to apply industrial you know hardware design ideas to software, but I'm less worried about that than I'm worried about the direction that OS X was taking with some of these ugly interfaces that we've seen for some applications. I mean, calendar is horrid, contacts is, you know, dumb, um, notes is a little bit just uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see some improvements in certain areas to make the interfaces look less cute and make them easier to use and to understand instinctively. I don't think I don't think an instinctive understanding means that you make something that looks like something in real life. We're beyond that. In the early days of computing, that might have made sense, but we're beyond that. People don't need to have something that looks like a legal pad to take notes on on their computer. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, neighbors, meetings are essential to the way we work. It's an opportunity to share ideas, problem solve, develop creative solutions. But if your team is spread out in different locations, coming together can be an impossible task. Unless you use GoToMeeting with HD Faces, the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate online. Learn how GoToMeeting helps you meet with your colleagues just as it helps me. You know, of course, we use GoToMeeting here on the show because it's necessary for me to communicate with the people I work with. And no matter where you're going, GoToMeeting allows you to share the same screen to make it easier to be on the same page. And now you can present from your iPad. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. Remember, neighbors, seeing is believing. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, November 2nd, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1708.10. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1750.42, 875.21 for a half ounce, or 437.61 for a quarter ounce. That's 1750.42, 875.21, and 437.61. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. 
We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Kirk McElhern, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We're exploring, just very briefly here, the impending departure of Scott Forstall and another key executive from Apple and speculating on the whys and wherefores, also the impact to OS X and the iOS. If we see less cutesy-poo interface elements or skuomorphic, which is one of the terms they use for mm-hmm. the imitation of real-life objects in the interface, that might be a good thing. You'll see this in iOS 7 and in OS 10.9. You might see the differences, the changes wrought by his departure. Now, you notice also that Tim Cook is keeping him on as an advisor and maybe making it more difficult for others to steal him away. It, yeah, that was my first thought. Um, an advisor just means he's getting paid to not go anyplace else. You know, it could be something that was in his contract that if he does get fired, he's got to be kept on and paid for a certain amount of time, there's no way we'll ever know about that. I wouldn't worry so much, of course, about Scott Forstall. He's a multimillionaire, and he could retire tomorrow, never have to work again, never have to worry about anything. He can say, look, I did all these great things for Apple, and I lost my position, or I left because of corporate politics. That's how it goes. But we also see here that Tim Cook, although a quiet guy without extreme emotions, He knows that when something goes wrong, he's going to be Donald Trump and say you're fired or things got to change. He's not going to tolerate failure, which is good. Well, you don't have to yell at people to be 
a convincing manager and someone who can do things when they're when they have to be done. Personally, I, I found it very uncomfortable to read the Steve Jobs biography. I mean, I knew uh, from people who met him and worked with him, I knew that he was mercurial to say the least. Um, but some of the things that I read were actually disturbing. I, I really hope that Tim Cook isn't like that. That he is more, you know, human, less arrogant, more flexible. I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if it's so much more flexible as someone who has fewer mood swings, tends to have a more even temper, and but will, if you push him to it, he is going to say, no, I'm not going to tolerate this. Yeah, you need to be, I mean, come on, a CEO of the company size of Apple, you need to be, you know, superhuman, basically. He certainly got what it takes to do that sort of stuff. I'm not worried about that. We'll have to see, of course, how this impacts the future of Apple. Also remember that the other thing that had gone wrong with Apple in the iOS was Siri. So Siri and Maps goes into the hands of Eddie Q, who's the guy who helped improve Apple's online services. So he's Mr. Fix-It over at Apple, so we'll have to see how Mr. Fix-It works. In the meantime, another decision, getting rid of something, Apple has decreed that they're going to fire optical drives. So we have Tim Cook looking at a physical object, an optical drive, and, or maybe it's just not Tim Cook, but Philip Schiller, the VP of Worldwide Product Marketing, saying, okay, optical drive, you're fired. Yeah, we've seen this since the first MacBook Air in 2008, but that was a sort of a trial balloon. We've seen it now in more recent computers to the point that the only computer left in Apple's lineup, uh, the only computers left in Apple's lineup that have optical drives are the Mac Pro, which hasn't been updated for a while, will be updated apparently in 2013, and will certainly keep an optical drive because of the um, the demographic it targets. And the non-retina MacBook Pros, which are basically the older design, um, still have the optical drives. So w- what we're seeing now is the demise of a device that we've had since Gee, the mid-90s, I guess, the late 90s, um, when CD-ROM drives first started being affordable. Uh, I remember the first Apple CD-ROM drive I had, it was an external thing that weighed about, I don't know, six pounds. It was tremendous. Um, I'm guessing there are a couple of things going on here. First of all, we saw the new iMac, which is so thin. Of course, that's kind of bogus because it's only thin when you put it on that sort of 45-degree angle and you don't see the bulge in the back. It's thin, but it's got a bulge in the stomach. It's middle-aged. So the iMac, the new iMac, the 2012 version, it's a middle-aged product. Right. Another thing that we probably don't realize is that unless you opt out, Apple collects diagnostic information from your computer. And this can include, for instance, how many times you've used the optical drive. And they may be looking at all of this and crunching the numbers and saying that, hey, 80% of people never use an optical drive. Why should we bother you know, including them in computers? Now, we've talked about music a lot, and I get a lot of CDs and rip a lot of CDs. So I have an external optical drive for my Mac Mini, which is the model from last year that didn't have uh, an internal optical drive. Um, I use it regularly. But other than for ripping CDs, I can't remember the last time I used it. I'm trying to – the last time I even burned a disc, I can't remember. Now, I'm not sort of the the average – Mac user because I do get a lot of CDs. Um, I write about music and, you know, I get a lot of CDs for review. But 
most people I know don't ever use these things anymore. They don't buy CDs. They don't, they don't buy CDs. They don't burn CDs or DVDs. Um, maybe some people are still watching movies in laptops, um, from DVDs when they go on trips and things like that. I don't know. Um, but it's true that a lot of people I've talked to just basically don't ever use it anymore. Well, in this case, we do have growing disuse of optical drives. That's not the same thing as 1998 when Apple released the first iMac with no floppy drive. Then a lot of people use floppy drives. Yeah, Apple was way ahead of the curve on that because they were betting on the fact that the floppy drive wasn't big enough to store data and that people were going to use other things. And over the years, I used things like zip drives for for years. Um, Remember the iOmega zip drive? Um, That was my go-to device for backing up files and things for a long time. And then people started burning DVDs when they became cheap. Um, so Apple was well ahead of the curve. In fact, Apple probably helped kill off the floppy drive by getting rid of it and getting people to use other solutions that did have more capacity. The difference, and this is pretty much what Phil Schiller said during some of the interviews from Time Magazine and elsewhere, is that Apple has the courage. This is another point I'll make in a moment. Apple has the courage to get rid of something where they feel the industry is changing or things need to change, they take the risk. They took a bigger risk with killing the floppy drive because a lot of people used it. It's less of a risk with optical drives because Apple knows, starting from the MacBook Air, what proportion of users buy the $79 external drive, and I bet it's not a big sale. I bet a lot of people will buy them at the beginning with the new iMac largely because of a crutch. They'll say, you know, I've got to have this because I'm going to have to burn a CD or DVD eventually. I need this. But they will see it will disappear over time. Or they'll just copy it onto a memory stick or something. When I got the the first MacBook Air in 2008, I bought the external drive because I figured, well, yeah, you know, installing OS X and things like that. Um, And I think the only times I ever used it were to install OS X back in the days when it came on a DVD. Um, Now, it was my second computer. My my laptop is always my second sort of testing and emergency computer. So it's not something I use a lot. Um, But I still have it. The drive sitting over there on a shelf. Going Um, mostly unused, but we'll go into that in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, all sorts of natural disasters happen. Some of you are ready, some are not. MySurvivalGoods.com gets you ready. Think basics. Do you have a home first aid kit, a car emergency kit, a basic urban survival kit? MySurvivalGoods.com has kits. Then the big stuff. Ready for system interruptions caused by natural or man-made disasters, terrorism, government collapse, social chaos? Are you ready to bug out? Could you survive off the grid for a minimum of three days like FEMA says? Don't count on FEMA. Count on high-quality kits from MySurvivalGoods.com. Check out our large selection of emergency kits for cars, homes, schools, and office, and bug-out bags, first aid and flu kits, emergency water and food. Even build your very own custom emergency kit. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Go to MySurvivalGoods.com now. That's MySurvivalGoods.com. Don't delay. Prepare today. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Here it comes, another cold and flu season. Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous Four herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Next. 
Well, I guess we can say that his optical drive is used sometimes to burn a CD or something like that. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live with Kirk McElhern joining us. He is the iTunes guy or the iTunes go-to guy, depending on where you go and how you do it. Remember, with the optical drive, you only need to buy one. You, know, you don't need to buy one for every computer you have. You probably will buy one, and you might have four or five Macs, but you buy one optical drive for the times you need it. So I do think, you know, in a few years, we're not going to see the need for optical drives. As you notice here, Phil Schiller says Apple has the courage, like with optical drives. They had the courage again with the release of the first MacBook Air, the new generation of the MacBook Air, the more thinner, lighter, cheaper version, only flash memory. And you go to PC land, and PC land, nobody has the courage on PCs to get rid of anything. This is Microsoft's problem. Microsoft doesn't know how to throw something out. Even when they threw out the traditional Windows user interface with Windows 8, you could still go to a desktop. They still offer a desktop. They still offer the old version for those who need it. Microsoft won't ditch things. PC makers for years wouldn't ditch the floppy drive. And even now, when optical drives can become optional, I bet it's going to take years for them to get rid of them. Yeah, and you made a good point a second ago when you said that if you have several Macs, imagine a family that has three or four Macs at home, you only need to buy one drive because it's pretty rare that two people are going to need it at the same time. A few years ago, when you bought an optical drive, you had to have an adapter. Now that Macs have USB 2 and, and USB 3 and the newer ones, you can get a self-powered optical drive, so it's even easier to connect. The super drive that Apple sells is like that. There's no transformer power adapter or anything like that. So you just plug it into the USB and it works. So it's relatively easy to move an optical drive from one computer to another. There's only the one thing to plug in. Now, when it comes to the hard drives, one of the moves Apple is making because flash drive is so expensive is Fusion Drive. Yeah. Now, I have had different opinions about that. We had John Martellaro of the Mac Observer last week. He wasn't too happy about that. He was thinking, you know, just get a flash drive, whatever it costs, and save your stuff. But I like the idea of the Fusion Drive, which is, of course, a mixture of solid state, small solid state part with a fixed hard drive, a mechanical hard drive. And it uses an intelligent means of measuring how often you open apps as to whether they'll be on the 128-gigabyte partition or the rest of the drive to help improve performance. That's different from the Intel hybrid drive, right? Yeah. Now... I think we talked on the show a couple of years ago about the hybrid drive. Um, to, together with one of my Macworld colleagues, Rob Griffiths, we did some tests. We each installed a hybrid drive on our main Mac. He did it on a MacBook Pro, and I did it on a Mac Mini, and we wrote an article together for Macworld about it. Now, the hybrid drive that we had had a 4-gigabyte, what you'd call a cache, basically. It had its own circuitry in the drive that would look for sectors that were used off, and it would move them to the cache, so you'd get quicker access to them. What Apple's done, and, and I really like this, I think this is really the future of computing, um, is that Apple's put 128 gigs, so you're going to have a lot less movement from one to the other. With the hybrid drive, it was constantly moving things back and forth to, to fit things into four gigabytes. With the 128 gigs of flash storage, you're basically going to have the stuff you use most of the time that's going to sit on the, the, the flash storage 
all the time. It's not going to be moved back and forth. If you open a new application that you've never used, okay, that'll get moved, and maybe an old one will get shunted off. But this seems to be a really good solution because in the years since I've been using SSDs, and again, this goes back to the first MacBook Air in 2008, I could never go back to a hard drive-based Mac. So I work on a Mac Mini. My startup volume has 189 gigs free out of 256. My OS is, you know, about 50, 60 gigs, and all of my media files are on a separate disk, all of my music files, because my music collection is very, is very big. I kind of like the idea of not wasting that space so much and having more things on the SSD, even if they're not necessary. It just seems to me a more efficient way to manage this. Also, 128 gigabytes is quite a bit of space for a lot of applications, your OS because even if you begin to work on a document like you're writing a book or something, you write books and articles, you work on that frequently, what's going to happen? That file is going to be moved to the solid-state drive because you need the fast access. When you finish with the article, it's archived. You never look at it again, as I never look at the old articles I write. Other documents will replace it. So it looks like if the caching system is really as smart as Apple claims, probably you can get over 90% the speed in the real world as a fixed solid-state drive, standalone. Well, I think, I think what's going to happen is pretty much the entire OS is going to stay on the flash storage. I can't guarantee this because no one's seen it yet, but it, yet it, but it seems to make sense. And as you said, you're going to have files that move back and forth depending on when you use them. The first time you use a file or an application that's not on the flash storage, you'll notice it takes a bit to open if it's a big file or if it's a big application. Because remember, the Fusion drive is only a 5400 RPM drive. But the next time, it's going to be as, as fast as it is on the because it's on the SSD. It's going to be lightning fast. Oh, it's only 5400? Yeah, but you see, it doesn't need to be faster okay. than that. Because again, it's only the first time you hit a, a document or, or an application that you're going to suffer the speed problem. Well, I'm going to want to talk to Jim Galbraith at Macworld. He's a lab director over there. They're going to be testing very soon one of those fusion drives and see how well they work in the real world. And that's another important thing to mention here, too. We have to remember that specs don't matter in the end. It's how well it performs. How well does it work in the real world? If it works well in the real world, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you look at raw specs, the raw specs of... Other smartphones, Android smartphones, is actually theoretically more powerful and faster than the iOS, but in the real world, that's not true. Because people don't care about that anymore. People will care if the hard disk is slower than the SSD, and if you start seeing a lag, if you're used to an SSD, and the disk ends up to be slower, but it's not going to happen. The, the, from, it, it simply can't happen. In other words, again, the first time something gets read, it gets shunted over to the SSD. After that, you're in, you know, lightning land. So unless you're opening tremendous videos constantly from one to another, um, then I don't think you'll have a problem. And if you are in that case, you certainly don't want to use a fusion drive, I think. You don't want to be moving things constantly to and from the SSD for this sort of thing. Well, we'll have to see how it works in the real world once it's tested. Yeah, but I, I really like the idea because what this means is that now, for instance, in a Mac Mini, instead of having uh, an SSD and a hard drive, you could put two Fusion drives or a Fusion drive and a hard drive. 
And that's pretty compelling to me. Um, I current, I have an SSD and a hard drive. And my um, the the 750 gigabyte hard drive holds my music collection, and the SSD, as I said earlier, is my OS. Um, I wouldn't mind having the Fusion drive to have the music collection, and having a second hard drive as a backup to that. Also, by you the know, way, the Fusion drive will be available in two capacities: one terabyte, three terabytes. Okay, so if one isn't enough, you can get the three, but it's better to have a separate backup drive. But I'm not sure that the three terabyte is going to be available in the size for a Mac Mini. I think that's only going to be the iMac size. Well, right now, when you look at Apple's store, and we're going to look at it because the iMac is not available for order yet, so I can't check anything out. In the Mac Mini, say we pick a Mac Mini, and now we look at... It's only in the more expensive Mac Mini also. That's worth noting. Um, The the cheaper Mac Mini doesn't have this... uh, It doesn't offer the option. So you've got to get the 799 model to be able to get it. And then it's, what, $250 more, um, and they only offer the one, ter- the one terabyte. So I think the three terabyte is only going to be available on the larger size drives in an iMac or eventually in a Mac Pro, well, there you which go. makes sense. I don't, think, I don't think they make three terabyte drives in laptop size because, remember, the Mac Mini has laptop size hard drives. Also, it's a matter of how much power it needs to run, and that might make a difference with something using notebook-level components like they're on the Mac Mini. Because a Mac Mini is basically a notebook without a display, if you look right. at the specs and the parts. Whereas right. an iMac is a full-size desktop computer, more and more powerful all the time. Yep. Once again, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com, news at technightowl.com. We're talking to Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So we segued from the departure of Scott Forstall at Apple, from the decision to say you're fired to optical drives at Apple, to, of course, the Fusion Drive, and whether the Fusion Drive, until solid-state drives become cheap enough, the Fusion Drive is the mid-level option, the way for $250 more or something, get 90% of the speed advantage of the solid-state drive, but have a capacity of a standard mechanical drive. But let's assume that this really works as well as it's supposed to. Do you really think there's any need to pay for flash storage on a one terabyte drive? I mean, if you were to look at the, the files that you use on your computer, and I'm not talking about when you edit these audio files for, for recordings, but you're going to find a sort of a, a, a curve that goes from files used all the time, so it's your basic OS files and the applications you use all the time, which is going to be, I don't know, 10% of your files, 5%, 20%, depending on how many media files you have. And then that curve is going to drop down to files that, as you said earlier, 
articles you've written and stuff, you never look at them again. There's absolutely no logic to pay for flash storage to archive files. Now you're right, but eventually the cost of flash storage won't be that much higher than mechanical storage. And certainly the reliability will be much more. That's a big issue right there. I think Apple's concern is not just speed, but reliability. And the faster they can get rid of a mechanical hard drive on most Macs, except the very large capacity drives, the better it is for everyone. True, but I think that's really only an issue on laptops for now, because laptops that you move around and and hard drives that have moving parts, we'll see over time. I'm sure that the price of Flash is going to go down, but if this drive is really popular, there's going to be a lot less pressure for Flash prices to go down to make a one-terabyte Flash drive that's affordable. It'll happen. In a few years, I think two or three years, it'll happen. Or And we'll have flying cars, you know, by 1980, right? So <laughs> I'm sure it's going to happen, you know, Moore's Law and all that. But I don't think it's going to happen in the near term. I think when you look at the price of a hard drive, well, you get a three-terabyte drive for 100 bucks these days or so, or something, right? You compare that to the price of a flash drive, it, it's got a long way to go before it catches up. Right. You look at the 768-gigabyte flash drives from Apple. They cost, what, $1,000 more or something like that? Yeah, they're they're really expensive still. They're monstrous. The cost is monstrous. But if that drive was $300, hmm, suddenly starts to get interesting. Well, it depends on what the what the alternative is. If the regular moving parts hard drive is only 100 bucks, do you need to spend 200 more to archive your files on flash memory? I don't think so. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll talk about that. I mean, we don't know. Remember, Apple acquired this firm in Israel that develops flash storage technology. So maybe there are going to be some breakthroughs that make it more efficient or, you know, it can hold more stuff. And, you know, everything's going to get better. We know that. It gets faster and cheaper and all that. It's just a question of when and a question of will they come up with some sort of quantum storage by then? Um, Will we not even need to think about flash storage? Will it just be, I don't know, a little vial of water where the molecules store things? Who knows? We're going to have a 10 terabyte vial of water. (laughs) in your iMac in 2018, okay? Six years from now. You never know. You'll get different vials of water for $100, $200, and $300. Yep. You get 10, 20, 30 terabytes of water. (laughs) So when you say Apple is all wet, you'll know why. It'll cost more if it's spring water, so. Well, Apple's going to use the best water. Of course. Well, if they want the best water, they get, you know, New York City tap water, right? Maybe not this week, but um, New York City tap water is some of the best water out there. Oh. Now now we're straying from the topic, though. We strayed a long time ago. I think we did. We strayed a long time ago. We strayed from the straight and narrow, and we'll never return. But I think still two or three years from now, we'll see solid-state drives will be far more affordable, and we'll be able to still have the Fusion drive, assuming it's reliable and works as Apple advertises, but we'll be able to get more straight solid-state storage. Imagine a MacBook Air with 512 gigabytes of storage, and you still keep it at 999 or 1099. It's going to happen, but the question is when. You, you, want to, you want to speculate on it. I don't know. You can never predict what's going to happen. No one, no one called the Fusion Drive. No one said that was coming. None of the rumors. The only thing, I think, we heard about a thinner iMac, at least at the... Yeah. edges rather than the bulbous center. We mm-hmm. heard about the iPad mini, a possible refresh to the standard iPad. We heard about all this stuff, 
But we didn't hear about the Fusion Drive. That was the one thing Apple kept a secret. Maybe it's too geeky. People don't pay attention to things like that. Well, I think that the people who pay attention to that are not the people who are going to be interested in publishing a leak about it. In other words, you and I agree it's an interesting technology, and a lot of people agree that it's interesting. Um, It's true that the average user is more interested to see a picture of a small iPad or other things that they can see, and they may not actually grasp what this actually means. It's a hard drive. Who cares? But I have to tell you, a friend of mine has a 2011 iMac, and it's equipped with a dual-drive setup, 256 gigabyte solid-state drive, one terabyte mechanical hard drive. Now, that thing is amazingly fast because of the solid-state drive. Right. So I'm really looking forward to this. I really have to save my green stamps, or they don't make green stamps anymore. I have to save my pennies. Yeah. to acquire the new iMac. I don't care that it doesn't have an optical drive. I don't use the one on my iMac. I don't even think it works. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'll put you'll, you'll find out the see. day you need it when all of a sudden you've got to burn some files to a DVD um, and you'll find out. But, you know, the reason we, we're talking about this is because I have an article on Macworld this week where I discussed the fact that the drive's disappearing. And, and uh, someone posted a comment saying he's a photographer and he needs to burn um, images to DVD to give to clients. And someone replied to his comment saying, why don't you just use you know cheap thumb drives? It's not much more expensive. They're easier to use. They're faster. No moving parts and all that. And it's true that um, you know that cheap flash storage is cheap enough that for the occasional need you might have to send files to someone – um, you can just use a cheap flash drive. That's what they do in the movies. Every time you watch a spy movie or a mystery movie where someone has secret files to remove from a computer, they don't yep. just stick an optical drive in there. They always use a thumb drive. Yep. You notice that? Yep. So Hollywood, right now, we have a situation of Hollywood using thumb drives and life imitating art. Yeah, Be- because the amount of time it takes to, to burn a DVD is so long that... You know, it could be a quarter of the movie or, you know, whoever's going to try to find the guy who's copying the files is going to find him in that time. So, yeah. But it's been like that for a long time. And I even remember, I think, in 24, back in the day, they would, like, connect a PDA or something to a computer to copy stuff. I, I don't think I've ever seen in a movie someone burn an optical disc. So, yeah. I think you're kind of right about that. They don't really do that. Movies, again, always move ahead of the real world such as it is. So. Or oversimplify as well. You know, when you see some of the sort of interfaces on computer screens in movies, they're kind of funny. But, um, yeah, it's, again, ask, ask the people around you how many times they use an optical drive. As I said, uh, my, my case is a little bit, you know, inhabitual that I do burn a, uh, rip a lot of CDs. But other than that, I don't know anyone who's used it and used one of those in a long time. Okay, well, there we have an example. And, folks... I want to hear your response about this. Write us news at technightowl.com or check us out on Twitter at technightowl or post in our forums at technightowl.com. What do you think about the loss of the optical drive? Now, remember, Apple never went to Blu-ray at all. And Blu-ray has done okay, but never took off like the original DVD. Well, I think in terms of movies, it did. I think that uh, I don't know if there are actually more Blu-rays sold than DVDs. Um, Blu-rays are still more expensive, even though the production costs aren't any more than, than, than DVDs, I'm sure. W- one thing that was interesting, again, a comment to my Macworld article um, about 
why Apple isn't using Blu-rays and it's a poor excuse because it's really cheap and all that. I actually looked it up and found a, a, a very interesting article by Ed Bott on ZDNet where he breaks down the cost of using a Blu-ray drive. And it's not the cost of the drive itself because the drive is, is, is no more, much more expensive than a, a CD-DVD drive. The cost, the licensing cost for, for a company like Apple or Microsoft or whoever is for the software, for the codecs that are used to read the files, whether these be AAC or AC3 or Dolby Digital and all these sorts of things. And the numbers he came up with were pretty shocking of how much it actually costs, and which explains why um, he explained why Microsoft didn't offer DVD playback in Windows 7, was it? That you had to buy the extra version to get it? I don't remember because I you think know, it's I more of an issue of Windows 8. And we'll Windows get into 8. more okay. of that in a moment. Yes, with Windows 8, you have to buy a special multimedia package, which will be free until January 31st. Okay. We have Kirk McElhern joining Gene Steinberg for one more segment on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Usually, the older one gets, the less you're able to absorb amino acids and the less you're able to repair the 75 trillion cells of your body. As a result, you'll have less energy, your tissues will shrink, and you'll become wrinkled. An older person will typically injure more easily and heal more slowly. Not fun. However, if you could consume a protein powder that is easy to absorb, then you may be able to gain back some strength, muscle, and speed of recovery. One World Whey is a highly digestible whey protein powder that may be the perfect answer for you. My name is Errol. I'm 74 years old. You know, the taste of One World Whey is amazing. I play pickleball, and since taking One World Whey and your trace mineral supplement, I have more energy and recover faster from my working out. I used to take another grass-fed whey protein powder, but now I'm getting much better. The results using One World Way. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Kirk McElhern, author, raconteur, a man about town. I want to get into that. But, you know, I copy the thing that comes off the introduction to the character, the shadow, 
And you remember in the 1990s, 1994, there was a movie with Alec Baldwin playing Lamont Cranston in a shadow. Mm-hmm. That's available on DVD still, but the version in DVD does not have widescreen, only standard screen. It's not available in widescreen and never available in Blu-ray. In all fairness, the movie wasn't very successful. I liked it. It wasn't very good anyway. I kind of liked it. I didn't think Alec Baldwin was very convincing. Well, here's the thing, though. If you look at the introduction where Lamont Cranston, Alec Baldwin, goes to the Orient to learn how to cloud men's minds because, you know, he's a fallen terrorist, you know, an opium dealer or something. In the character, the movie Batman Begins, where Bruce Wayne goes to the Orient to discover... It's the same thing, yeah. It's the same introduction. It's like Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan Nolan and all the other people who work with him. They looked at the original Shadow with Alec Baldwin and this dark character, this troubled, tortured character. They borrowed him and put him in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Mm -hmm. So there was influence. Part of the problem is that the Shadow was over the top, too far over the top. I mean, I understand having it a period piece where it goes back to the 30s or 40s. I thought it was interesting doing it that way, but the script was just too much, too extreme. If they scaled back a little bit, it would have been a better movie. Or maybe they didn't think that a character who clouds men's minds so they cannot see him was compelling enough, so they had to exaggerate. Yeah, I, you know, you, you and me, we, we both come to this from the, the books and the old-time radio shows and stuff that we're familiar with. Um, and the comics. Who, who was it? Will Eisner that did the comics back in the day, in the 80s? It's kind of hard for a movie like that to really reproduce the, the sort of noir imagery of the original stories, which are, you know, pure pulp. I mean, the original books, um, great. Did you ever read word. the original novels? I read dozens of them okay, back, you know, in the, back in the guy. 70s when they were reissued in paperback. It was, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name. He was a magician. Okay, um, he was a magician. Walter B. Gibson, writing under right, the name Walter Maxwell Grant, wrote yep. 300 short novels featuring yep. The Shadow. And he wasn't necessarily Lamont Cranston. That's the radio image of the character. Right, right. And, of course, we all remember Orson Welles being the shadow, but in a matter of fact, he only played the character for a couple of years. Yeah. There were several other actors who played the shadow on radio. They tried to bring it to the movies, and it always ended up being foolish. I don't think they ever brought it to TV. Some characters translated well. Like, for example, speaking of tortured souls, the latest James Bond movie, Skyfall, which is available in Europe but not in the United States as we speak, and maybe Kirk has seen it or will, they make him more of a dark, tortured character, more like the books. The n- novels didn't depict James Bond as necessarily this freewheeling character who drinks the vodka martinis, etc., etc., and beds every girl in sight. He was a more tortured, injured character with a darker past. But they were also much more comical than the movies, I think. There, there was a lot of sort of... How would you say, you know, that sort of British comedy from like Spike Jones and that kind of stuff that was under the books? I mean, there was a lot of sexiness and things that the movies presented in a totally different way. I read a few of them, um, some of the earlier ones um, a long time ago, and they're actually good books and they really don't, especially if you compare the books to the early movies, I think they're a lot closer than what these movies have become now where they're just these, you know, action thriller movies. Well, here, supposedly in Skyfall, 
they take some of the character elements from the books to make him the darker character with a past. More mm-hmm. interesting, we have to see. But, you know, that's the influence of Christopher Nolan in Batman Begins. The fact that in Batman Begins, he tried to make Batman Bruce Wayne into this tortured, psychologically damaged character because his parents were killed, and he has these demons he has to carry, and he becomes a vigilante, but he does it in seeking vengeance against his personal injury, not just to fight crime. And at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, and I won't tell you the ending if you didn't see the film, he kind of comes full circle with himself. As he repeats the line, shall we say figuratively, that he uttered in the first film, is that Batman doesn't have to be a person, but a symbol. Why are we talking about Batman? I don't know, and we shouldn't, because personally, I don't like those movies. I think they're, I don't know, I just don't find them very interesting. I think I would like to see a little bit more creativity in Hollywood instead of just rehashing these old characters, um, and particularly so many comic books that get you know, made into movies. Uh, I particularly think that most of these movies are way too long. What, what was the, not the latest Batman movie, but the one before that was like something like two hours and 45 minutes long? They could well, have the cut out 45. was pretty long, too. It's too much. It's it's turned into a sort of a a style of making these movies to try and do too many things, and and the narrative sort of suffers because of this. And anyway, it's not my. Uh, I've been very disappointed by a lot of these movies like that recently. You have to have expensive, high cost set pieces where you have extended action scenes, ten fifteen minutes. They even bring it to TV. There's a spy TV show called Covert Affairs, and one of the producers of the Bourne trilogy is involved in the production, and in every episode you have some kind of elaborately staged chase or fight scene Yeah. to justify this on a TV show. Of course, on a TV show you don't have the budget. On right. cable TV shows you have in a movie where you can do this, but you have to have these wild, wacky chase scenes, and after a while, how many things can people chase people with? You're either running, or you're on a motorcycle, you're in a car, you're in a truck. When does it become... And, too, and how many times can you see a chase scene when the guy's going the wrong way on a highway, um, oh, yes, you know, course. weaving in and out of the cars, or going through the streets of some European city and then going down stairs at the end of a street and stuff like that? You know, you've seen that once. It, it just, you can't keep doing it. What you to, do is it's be, like one from column A, one from column B. You say, okay, we'll take the motorcycle here, and we'll go down the stairs from here, and then we'll have somebody jump on a ledge here, and become an acrobat and leap tall buildings in a single bound. And, and then here. the car jumps across a bridge where the, the 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 span fell or something, and just barely makes it to the edge. And then the guy uh, runs along the top of a train that's moving at a hundred miles an hour. And yeah, it's just you know repetition over and over. There's no originality. But how original can you get? You're running out of ideas. You know, well, aren't it's been there done. like six basic stories and novels? And you have to make variations on a theme. We see James Bond running across trains. We see Tom Cruise in the original Mission Impossible. And sometimes, even when you remake something from TV, for example, you take a TV show from the 70s and 80s, you can't just duplicate what makes those programs interesting. You have to go over the top or you have to add stupid humor. So, like, for example, one of the best TV series from the 1960s was I Spy. And you have to understand the times. Bill Cosby was, I guess, the first black actor to be the star of a TV series, an action series, not somebody playing a humorous role. Mm -hmm. So he and Robert Culp 
appeared in the series, and it was humorous. It had a great interplay, character interplay. None of that was in the movies featuring Eddie Murphy in the Bill Cosby role. And Eddie Murphy, if you look at what he does, he has the acting chops to do that. He's actually a very good actor when he isn't doing dumb movies. Yeah. Or Get Smart, I mean, which was the perfect sort of satire of the original James Bond movies. Um, I didn't see the movie that was made a couple of years ago, but I just can't imagine that it would keep the sort of, the, the sort of kitschy humor that you had with the, the, you know, those different characters and, and the situations and, and the shoe phone and stuff like that. Um, well, they had some of those things. We expected yeah, the shoe phone, we expected the elevator that goes down to the headquarters. And the cone of silence and stuff. All that but, stuff. They had it in there. And Steve Carell is a good comedy actor and a good traditional actor. But it wasn't Get Smart. No. Nobody and, and if could you grew imitate up with Don series, Adams. Would you believe? Well, forget about it. Kirk, where can we find more of the things you do? Well, you might as well check out Macworld. A lot of stuff there. Uh, my Ask the iTunes Guy column and other articles. And then my own website, com, where I write lots of stuff. I love to see a YouTube video of Phil Schiller saying to the Optical Drive, you're fired. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Take care. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Seen one to save 10%. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth slide into a recession or at worst depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, all sorts of natural disasters happen. Some of you are ready, some are not. 
MySurvivalGoods.com gets you ready. Think basics. Do you have a home first aid kit, a car emergency kit, a basic urban survival kit? MySurvivalGoods.com has kits. Then the big stuff, ready for system interruptions caused by natural or man-made disasters, terrorism, government collapse, social chaos. Are you ready to bug out? Could you survive off the grid for a minimum of three days like FEMA says? Don't count on FEMA. Count on high-quality kits from MySurvivalGoods.com. Check out our large selection of emergency kits for cars, homes, schools, and office, and bug-out bags, first aid and flu kits, emergency water and food. Even build your very own custom emergency kit. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Go to MySurvivalGoods.com now. That's MySurvivalGoods.com. Don't delay. Prepare today. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Jim Galbraith is the lab director at Macworld Magazine. Being the lab geek over there, he's a professional geek. He is not going to talk about the musical chairs over in Apple with Scott Forstall on the way out and the head of the retail division on the way out, because who knows? I mean, you're hearing all these stories about what might have happened, all the politics behind the scene shenanigans. You don't know. You're just getting... Informed sources. And so Jim reads it, I read it. We don't know what's really going on. He knows when it comes to products. Now, over at the most recent Apple event, in introducing the new iMac and the Mac Mini, Apple decided to announce their version of a hybrid drive called Fusion Drive. Now, obviously, Jim hasn't tested the Fusion Drive. It's available now for the Mac Mini. He will in the next week, so you'll get the chance to see that at Macworld Magazine and Macworld.com. In the meantime, Jim, can you explain to our listeners what a hybrid drive is and what the Fusion Drive may be? Again, purely speculation. Sure, I'll do my best. Uh, We do have one on order. It's been on order for several days now. The day we were able to get the Mac Minis, they're not stocking anything right now that has the Fusion Drive. The Fusion Drive is an option. Uh, so it costs $250 extra if you want this Fusion Drive installed in your Mac Mini. And you can't do it with the cheaper version. You have to get the mid-price version of the Mac Mini before you're able to customize it that way. That's correct. Why does Apple do that? 
That I don't know. I mean, I guess obviously we all know <laughs> to push you to buy the seven ninety nine version and not the five ninety nine version. I'll tell you but, what, folks. It's really Scott Forstall's fault. We should, from now on, anything that goes wrong with Apple, we blame him. The maps don't work. You want to go to Brooklyn, you end up in Cincinnati. It's Scott's fault. Okay, that's me, not you. <laughs> So who knows? Maybe it was his last decision before leaving was to to limit your uh, options on the low-end Mac Mini. But that is the case. Uh, you have to get the higher-end one, and you can upgrade the processor or this Fusion Drive. Uh, what it's trying to do is fix the problem where everybody wants fast, fast SSD speeds. They see these benchmarks. They see their applications open up fast, but they don't want to spend the extra money. I mean, to get something that's a terabyte in capacity with that kind of speed, it's just it's just would cost a, as much as your house or something. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe a small car. but A small so, car, right. But, but seriously speaking, like a 786 gigabyte solid-state drive is what? A $1,000 premium. So you figure a terabyte is going to be, what, $1,250, $1,500. The point being that as of now, solid-state storage doesn't scale up very well. It gets to be very expensive. So Apple has a solution. Right. So they're going to try and marry a 128-gigabyte flash storage drive with a 1-terabyte. Right. There's a 3 also. Right. But the 3 is not available for the Mac Mini, curiously enough. It is not. It's only for the iMac. All right. Hopefully what they're going to do is supposedly it's smart enough so that when you get it from Apple, the first thing is all your apps and the OS, everything fits on that 128 gigs of SSD. I mean, they ship Airs with 64 gig SSDs, and that's the only storage on them. So it's twice that. So they're going to put all that stuff they think you need and want on the SSD, and then it's going to also supposedly learn your habits over time. So if you're using Aperture all the time but not using iPhoto, maybe it'll move the iPhoto's bits off the fast flash and onto the slower spinning storage part of it. But the beauty of it, if it works as uh, advertised, is that we as users don't have to think about it at all. It's just going to work magically learn what we do and make things better for us behind the scenes as far as we know we have one drive in there and it's about as fast as an ssd but gives us the capacity so the best of both worlds we're hoping now one of the other considerations i guess we should make is the fact that there actually was someone a hacker or a professional user who supposedly hacked in terminal the operating system to work what with somebody else's hybrid drive just to see how the system would work so we have to see so maybe it's already built in there there's already this intelligent mechanism built into the operating system that we don't know about yeah i know the you know with the seagate drives they use a much smaller amount of the flash memory as as a bigger cache you know it's supposed to move bits and pieces over onto it but it's much smaller but you know over time things should get faster we did some tests on the windows side of running our benchmark test 10 times to see if the first test was much slower than the 10th test when we were running these things and there wasn't that big of a difference so we'll have to see if maybe having this much larger amount of flash storage and the smarts that apple supposedly bringing to it how much of a difference that is so now some of the suggestions and predictions i've heard is that the achilles heel of the fusion drive is the person who engages in a lot of high-end content creation with huge files 
that might present a problem. I don't know, you know, asking me to tell you something that I don't know that much about. So I'm guessing I'm dealing with a product I don't know about. We'll have to see. But I would think if you have 128 gigs and maybe your apps fill half that space, you certainly have room to handle some pretty large files. Yes, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll try and test the heck out of that thing and see what happens when you get past that and when the drive is pretty well filled up you know, how things perform. And we'll try to measure as best we can how uh, how the learning part of it is, if it's actually getting faster as we uh, go about our tasks. I suppose, I guess, one suggestion, if I had one to make, and you don't have to listen to me because nobody else does. So since nobody else listens to me, you could choose not to. And that is, when you do the tests, work with large Photoshop files or large Final Cut profiles, stuff that's multiple gigabytes and see whether the intelligent caching is really working that way. We will see, and we'll, we'll try and test. Uh, we'll try and we'll try and test. You know, SSD versus a standard versus the this Fusion Drive. We'll try and figure out a way to test it with the uh, Seagate Momentus. And it's hard sometimes to isolate just the drive in these things, but going to do what we can. All right. I can drink to that. Let's look at some of the stuff you've tested. Now, first of all, have you had a chance to do anything yet with the iPad mini and the fourth generation iPad? No, but uh, FedEx promises me I'll have them in my hands tomorrow. Okay, so what he's talking about is actually yesterday when you hear the show. So you figure <laughs> by early next week or a day or two after you hear the show, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Galbraith will have some preliminary tests to offer. And we'll learn more about how well they do, and especially with the fourth-generation iPad, where Apple makes the claim it's twice as fast as the third generation. So we have to see if that claim bears out under extended testing, how it does it. Now, in a thing like an iPad, what kind of benchmarks do you have to run on those? Well, there's a few that we run. We run, there's a, the Geekbench, because we're also trying to test as much as we can against the I, the Android devices we have here in the lab and, and uh, Windows 8 phone, those kinds of things. We're trying to, we're trying to do what we can to, there's not a lot of overlap there in tests, but between Android and, uh, and the iOS, there are a number of them. We, we run, uh, we run Geekbench, we run some, uh, just standard uh, fl- uh, benchmarking kind of apps. Hey, we got exactly. Jim. Gal- we got Jim Galbraith from MacWorld joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Here it comes, another cold and flu season. Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous Four herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So as we mentioned, he's done some tests and we will be doing more on the new Apple gear. Certainly he'll be testing the fourth generation iPad and also the iPad mini. Now... Of the stuff that you've already done, you've tested the new 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina display, which is $500 cheaper than the 15-inch version. What are the differences in performance? What do you think? Oh, there's a pretty big difference in performance. I mean, uh, I'd say the you know the biggest the biggest difference is that uh, the 15-inch Retina displays come with 
quad-core processors, whereas the 13-inch uh, comes with dual-core processors. And so, it makes for a big difference in your SpeedMark scores. It does. It does. It, uh, you know, we run several tests that do task the processor. You know, some of them are, you know, like Mathematica uh, Mark and, and uh, Handbrake. We do some tests that really kind of help isolate that. And you can see that in those tests much faster, but in lots of tests, you see a little bit of a boost in there. Not as much as Mathematica Mark, maybe, but still a big boost. Uh, the other big thing, other big difference was the graphics. The new Retina only ships with uh, the Intel, Intel HD 4000 integrated graphics, which are much faster than the HD 3000 that shipped in the last version, but still slower. It's not the same as discrete graphics, separate graphics chip, like, for example, you'd have on the 15-inch version. Exactly. In those cases, you know, we're seeing quite a few more frames per second. So I would think here Apple used somewhat slower parts because they wanted to keep the price down. Because 13-inch Notebook sixteen ninety nine is still expensive. It is. It's expensive. Uh, you know, the screen looks great, but you do lose a couple. You do lose a couple of things, and I guess again, there, if you're really uh, interested in the fastest Mac uh, Retina MacBook, you're gonna have to pay a little bit more money to to move up to the fifteen inch. Now, another issue about that: Are people gonna notice those differences as much anymore when you have all solid state drives? Uh, well, yes. I, th- I mean, you're going to, when they all I mean, We've got two computers with solid-state drives. Yeah. So do we see that much of a difference? Oh, two different, well, depending on what you're doing. If you're just, uh, you know, the, the, we do see a difference, you know, you see a difference as far as the processing versus the, you know, when it has to go and hit the hard drive. If you got 8 gigs of RAM versus 4 gigs of RAM, it's that also, the SSD helps to eliminate the need for excessive amounts of RAM, I think, because when it does have to go to the disk, it's going to a much faster disk. So, but, you know, once uh, once your system's actually got the data and is crunching it, I think that, you know, a quad core, uh, especially when you can use, you know, turbo boost and hyper threading to do eight virtual cores. If you're doing big projects and using apps that can take advantage of it, you know, you're going to want those extra cores. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you got to have them cores. Them are cores. Now, comparing this to a standard 13-inch MacBook Pro, the 1199 version, how's it look? Well, uh, let's see. It was... About I had I do have those results in front of me, uh, right? So we're talking about the differences between uh, the Retina and the non-Retina 13-inch MacBook Pros, and man, that super fast flash storage really comes into play. So I mean, we saw that overall in our Speedmark 8 tests that uh, the low-end non-Retina. Uh, was fifty uh, was not as fast. So the new one is fifty two percent faster. The Retina MacBook Pro over the non Retina. If you go up to the higher uh, two point nine gigahertz thirteen inch non Retina MacBook Pro, that closes the gap. Uh, we saw that was uh, we saw that the new Retina was about twenty percent faster overall than that system. Okay, so the MacBook Pro thirteen inch with Retina display. Fascinating product, fascinating product, and it's a step down in terms of price and performance from the 15-inch version, but if you're willing to put up with the difference and you don't care about losing a couple of inches, it might be worth it. Okay, 
new Mac Mini. The Mac Mini has become some powerful little beast, isn't it? Well, it has gotten faster, uh, and it's gotten you know considerably faster. It too only has the uh, integrated graphics, uh, so it's not quite as fast as you know what you might see in, in an iMac. But uh, you're not tied to using a glossy screen if you're not into that, or or whatever. You know, you get the freedom to choose whatever uh, keyboard, mouse, or display you want to bring. Um, so, because the Mac Mini does not ship with those things. But uh, yes, the 2012 Mac Mini is the first Mac Mini to have a quad-core processor. So it's got the quad-core i7, uh, ships with a 2.3 gigahertz version of that. And uh, yes, it's a, it's a fast processor. And the graphics are not that to sneeze at. It's just if you're a real crazy gamer and you want to you know, have all the all the textures and everything turned on to its highest to get the most immersive you know, experience possible... You might want to go with something that has the discrete graphics and not something with the integrated graphics. Now, looking at the benchmarks, they're using parts that are not dissimilar from a basic MacBook Pro, right? Right. They've got the 5,400 RPM hard drive. They've got the integrated graphics, and uh, they're using, yeah, the same processors. Okay, so you get the same kind of reliability, performance in the same ballpark. But you know what? When you look at that, Unless you're someone who really needs some high power, you can get by with a Mac Mini pretty much. And even then, later on, maybe you'll get a faster hard drive. You hook up to the Thunderbolt port. Yes, you're, yeah, everything's. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a very capable computer, especially the the quad core. And uh, yeah, I think you could do. I think ninety five percent of you know Mac users would would be just happy as pie to be to be using this and it would to be able to you know deliver whatever performance they needed now you should also know that there are a few companies out there who take these little mac minis these tiny little things and they stick them in a server room in a rack and they use them as web servers and they work pretty well i guess the other question is can you make this thing run hot at all i mean is there a way or is it pretty cool no matter what you do we didn't we didn't run into any issues when our in our testing of seeing it get hot. I mean, sometimes with the airs, we would actually could kind of almost see the thing slow down. You know, it's like, hey, we're overheating. We're just going to throttle down the processor and cool this off. Uh, but we didn't run anything like that in our testing with the Mac Mini. So, as a web server, this could be a pretty capable little thing. Yeah, it's nice, stackable. Uh huh. I guess also with Boot Camp, you can even hook up with Linux or something and run a Linux server instead of an OS X server. I guess a lot of people are complaining about OS X server because it's not quite as flexible as the older versions. But, you know, that's way beyond what you do. But right now, the Mac Mini sounds like a pretty capable little beast. Looking at the future, you're going to be testing the Fusion Drive on that product. You're going to be testing the new iPad, the fourth generation model, the iPad mini, and get a sense to see how they perform, run all your benchmarks, and then we'll know how capable they really are, especially the fourth generation iPad. I guess the compelling question you'll have to answer, Jim, is whether it makes sense for someone with a third generation product to even consider the upgrade. I don't think so. I, uh, I, would, I would doubt that, but, uh, but I think it's going to make a pretty compelling uh, reason to maybe go from the two up to the up to the four so we'll see 
Right. It's going to be also interesting how this all compares in the tests and also for the holiday season. Again, some stuff from Microsoft, the Surface. Are you going to test the Surface? Um, yeah, we've already done some testing of that. What do you think? Very briefly. I've, you know what? Left. I actually I, I stay on the other side of the lab. I didn't actually – I have not actually put my fingers upon it. Well, that might be something you shouldn't do. Maybe it's going to bite you. <laughs> the surface will come back to bite you. I understand the kickstand could be a little bit sharp, so you have to watch out for the surface. Jim Galbraith, tell us where our listeners can find more of your work. How about Macworld.com? So simple. My friend Jim Galbraith, lab director of Macworld, and a real gentleman. You hear him? This is a real gentleman. Always glad to have him on the show. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics. Life's getting better. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Now, as we talk to you, of course, a lot of you people who live on the east coast of the United States are really digging out of this mess because of the hurricane and all the horrible weather and the rain. And we have gas lines now for people who live in New York and New Jersey trying to get to work as a chore. And maybe you shouldn't bother. I don't know. But our guest, Adrian Hoppel from MacLife magazine, lives in the Philadelphia area. And I gather it wasn't so bad for you. Hi, Gene. No, uh, it definitely wasn't, although we were prepared for the worst. I think particularly in my neighborhood, we got a little bit lucky here. We ended up with uh, really just some sticks and leaves outside. I have a lot of friends in the area who are still without power, and a lot of trees have come down. But uh, in my particular little section of the city, we did okay. Good to hear. Good to hear. Of course, someone who didn't do okay this week is someone who got his walking papers after a fashion, someone named Scott Forstall, who yes. handled the iOS department over at Apple. And he had been kind of a controversial character. Now, understand that all Apple has said is he's going to remain as an advisor to Tim Cook for a while, then leave the company. They mentioned the various changes. Of course, they didn't explain what happened behind the scenes. For that, we have to read the rumors, the informed sources, the interviews with former Apple employees, and we get kind of a questionable picture about Scott Forstall, that, for example, some people wouldn't even be in the same room with him unless they had, of course, originally Steve Jobs or Tim Cook to, as they say, mediate. I've had some pretty flaky situations when I worked for other people over the years, and sometimes we had corporate politics, personality, conflicts, but never a situation where two people couldn't be in the same room without a third party helping. It really is quite remarkable, and it, I, I, I think this is—I think he's a very complicated character. I think his 
time there is such as well. He was, in a lot of people's opinion, in a lot of the interviewers, and there's articles out there, just as you said, going both ways, um, he was really cut in the mold of Steve Jobs in a lot of ways. Uh, he was very, very forceful with his opinions. He was very divisive for people that didn't agree with him. He he, he really thought he was right. Um, and I think when when Steve came back from Next, Scott came with him. And I think Steve had a very, very controlling affect there in that he could have these high egos, high ambitious guys come in, not just guys, but staff, and he could be the decider. He could be the person who would keep everybody under control and say, at the end of the day, we're going to go in this direction or that direction. And I think when he left, um, there, there is, there is a void there because, you know, Tim, Tim Cook for all the greatness that I think he brings to the ta- table, it's not from a design side as much as Steve was. And I think when the design egos got going and Johnny Ive yeah. and Scott Forstall are the two people that just could not be in the room together and they came from really different schools of thought on, on how Apple design should go. And I think Steve was a balancing force there and without him it was getting to the point where perhaps it was one or the other. Well the key here of course is I guess that Tim Cook doesn't want the egos to flare and obviously it had some bad effects if we believe the published reports. We have the situation with Maps. Apple wants to replace Google Maps. They come out with their own version. It's buggy. But supposedly Scott Forstall, who was demonstrating the new Maps feature at the Worldwide Developers Conference in June, I guess he felt confident enough to let it go out there and allegedly refused to sign the apology letter that Tim Cook presented. He basically said, and I think the quote was, this is not that big of a deal. You know, whether it is or not from a design perspective, I think when the perception out there is that it's a huge deal, uh, a company needs to address that. And when you sit in your your silos in in the design places and say, no, 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 this is really not a problem because of all of these things. But the public is saying, this is a huge problem. I can't find my favorite coffee shop anymore or my university is just a blob now on the map. Um, I think you need to say something about that. And and from what we've read, Tim went to Scott and said, you know, we need to put this apology out out there, and you're responsible for this, and I think your signature should be on this. And Scott refused, and Tim signed it, and now Scott's not there. Um, Well, the other thing to say here, let's look at the other example. We had AntennaGate, okay? Mm -hmm. We had the problem with AntennaGate where people had issues where they held their iPhone 4. (laughs) Right. The wrong way, in quotes, they'd encounter problems with reception. Now, the way Steve Jobs originally handled it wasn't regarded as very good because he just said, hold it a different way. Now, we have to think here, Apple in the end did the right thing. They held a media event. They allowed some reporters to tour their antenna testing facility. They basically were very upfront about the issues and pointed out that other phones had the same problem. It was the laws of physics. We can't violate the laws of physics, Captain. Right. So even though I guess Steve Jobs didn't apologize, he explained why the condition existed. And as another measure, they offered the free bumpers for your iPhone. Correct. And okay, that was something that maybe not an apology, but being right. proactive to deal with a public outcry. In the case of Maps, Forstall should have gone along with whatever was done. 
I definitely think think so, and I don't think Steve necessarily wanted to go along with it then. Oh, and I no, think I bet you, it did kicking and screaming, but he knew he had absolutely, to do it. Absolutely, but he knew he had to do it. And I, I think when Tim Cook came to Scott and said, you need to know that you need to do this, because I don't think Steve Jobs thought the antenna gate was a big deal either, but he still came out and had the press conference. And from a consumer perspective, offering something free is these days almost akin to an apology. It's really... It really goes a long way, even if it's a bumper that people already had. Um, if it was something that they got for free, then they felt like, okay, fine, I will move on. And um, as a matter and- of fact, in the end, look what happened. The antenna gate issue disappeared completely except for consumer reports. Exactly. Consumer reports made a big deal of it saying, well, we can no <laughs> longer support or recommend this product because of this without realizing the reality, which is, of course, that all other phones had the same problem. Exactly. And and I think this touches on the same thing in that you're talking about two different worlds. You're talking about the world of um, specs and technology, and is this a problem or not? And you're also talking about the world of, of, of consumer opinions. And Apple won back the consumer opinions with AntennaGate. Um, whether or not they fixed anything is almost irrelevant because the public perceived the problem as solved. And in the end, by the way, most people do use cases with their iPhones. Exactly. Apple has redesigned the antenna system, this diversity antenna system, which is borrowed from your automobile. Now, your automobile has usually several antennas on the back window, and it switches back and forth depending on reception conditions, and Apple simply borrowed the concept. Right. Now, they knew there was a problem, and they took care of it. Now, let's look at the politics here about Siri and Maps. Now, Siri is still a beta. It's not perfect. Apple has the word beta. So, yes, they tout all the great features. They show that if you're Samuel L. Jackson and you have that menacing glare and that famous voice (laughs) and you ask Siri something, Siri's going to answer. Martin Scorsese, Zooey Deschanel, no problem. These are trained performers and people in the show business. For normal people, it doesn't work so well some of the time. All right. They call it a beta. This way they can say, yeah, it does a lot of things, but we still have to develop it. If Maps had a little beta sign, and Apple put a little paragraph saying, we want you to participate, ask the customer to participate in the process of developing and perfecting Maps. Apple says, we need you to help take the -the state-of-the-art interface in the next level so that we know that when you get directions, they're reliable, that landmarks are reliable, work with us. I think people would have embraced that immediately. It wouldn't be an apology. It would have a beta label. It would have been great PR. I think that that would have worked so long as they didn't take away the Google Maps yet. And I think people use that app so much. Siri was something new. Siri was something nobody... Nobody needed at the time. Nobody thought that they needed, um, and it came as a new feature. So, okay, that's neat. Uh, it works okay. So, so, so. Um, it didn't really hurt anybody because it was still a net gain. It was still something new that I didn't have before. Um, or Maps was something that a lot of people used. And if Apple wanted to introduce a side-by-side app and said, "Here's our new app that we're developing," uh, we still have the license for Google Maps. There's no reason we have to take it out. Uh, we're going to test out our new one. Please help us out if you can. I think people would have done that in a heart, heartbeat. I, it's when I think you have a beta-level product and you, you force it onto people and say, by the way, here's your new maps, and we took away the one that worked, and here's this one, and if you don't find it works, um, too bad, because that's what we have. I think that's when people get upset. 
We're working with Adrian Hoppel for MacLife Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terragonics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to grandma's house. Pro-EM-1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click TerraGanix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. TerraGanix, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Adrian Hoppel of... MacLife Magazine, where he does the Apple legal column, and we'll get into the latest on Apple's legal skirmishes in a moment. Let's get back to Maps and then Scott Forstall. Now, I understand that the contract with Google expired like between iOS releases, so that might have presented a problem. I think a beta label would have helped. But Scott Forstall is also blamed for some of the extremes in the iOS and, of course, the OS X interface, the skuomorphic kind of phenomenon where your address book looks like a little physical address book or in a calendar it looks like a physical printed calendar. And some people say that design aesthetic is foolish. And I think not only that, um, I think there's a big division in Apple because of that because it's trendy and it's very... It's very now or even yesterday, but it's not tomorrow. And Apple has always been more of a tomorrow brand. 
And when you have the other half of everybody in Cupertino design saying, hey, we want to go this way, and the skeuomorphic is not fitting in with where we want these devices to go, and Scott is adamant that he loves it, and Steve loved it too. Um, there's rumors that some of the leather grain in the address book and calendar and things like that, Steve had modeled from the leather seats in his car. He thought that was really neat. Um, whether or not that's true or not, I think it still serves the same design phenomena. It's it's a very Pinteresty looking sort of crafty look that is probably dated already. And I think there became two camps, and Johnny Ive is more on the hardware side and very prominent on the hardware side, but this is not the way he wanted the software to look. And he couldn't have a voice anymore from what I've read. When Steve Jobs was there, he could, but now as Scott got a much larger voice, it was just the divisions became insurmountable. The questions people have, of course, about this is that Johnny Ive now taking over human interface He's going to be more subtle, more minimalist. These extremes won't be there. Maybe he'll want more consistency, because one of the aspects that we have with OS X and the iOS is that things are not done in a, a convincing, predictable fashion. True, and, and I think if you look at that whole skeuomorphic look and... If you're a longtime Apple fan and you look at longtime Apple apps, both from the Mac from before iOS, and you think of the minimalistic look of Mail and Safari and how much they made their name saying, we don't want all of these extra design elements in our apps. When these iOS apps came out, per- personally, I found them shocking. I didn't dislike them at first, but I thought, wow, this is this is an Apple app with this fake calendar leather green thing going on. It, it doesn't seem to look like anything I would come to expect from Apple. And also, um, if you're going to do it in one place, you do it in another place. And there are lots of criticisms over different design decisions, like with iTunes. So iTunes, suddenly the little buttons are made vertical rather than horizontal Right. for one release. Also, in the sidebar, it's all black and white. What about the color distinctions among icons, which a lot of people complain about? Maybe we'll see Johnny Ivy bring back that, the colorful display, you don't need a third-party utility to do it with a Finder and iTunes, and maybe also we'll see more, as I said, consistency among OS elements, not just having all these different looks and feels for different apps. It doesn't always make sense from a logical standpoint, especially for somebody who's coming new to the platform. You know, they're coming from Windows 8. They can't stand the interface formerly known as Metro. They want consistency, predictability, and some suggest Apple lost a bit of that. And I would personally agree with that. I think there's a lot of love for Scott Forstall in some circles because he came from Next. He's considered the godfather of OS X. OS X is looked at in a lot of ways as the launching point for the renaissance of Apple. But I don't think you can separate that from the design work that that Johnny Ive did at the same time. When when those new iMacs came out, it changed everything. And I don't think OS X would have made a splash. I don't know if Apple would be anywhere near the company they are today without Johnny's hardware designs because for Apple, more than any other brand, people are buying an experience. And a lot of that experience is, is in how the piece itself looks, not just the specs inside of it. And I wish Scott Forstall could have worked 
a little easier with everybody because I like the thought of that legacy of that Steve Jobs type persona. I like the people who were still there from Next, but at the same time, I think they were stuck in the wrong direction. And I would like to see some of these divine these design elements catch up a little bit. He didn't have a check on him in the form of Steve Jobs. No. Forstall went on unfettered. Correct. I think it reached a point, and I think maps in and of itself wouldn't have been enough for somebody like him to be asked to leave or to leave, because we don't know the details on how that separation occurred. But after everything else that has gone on, uh, after the fact that you have you have these two high-profile personas that the world knows, and they don't get along with each other, one of them is probably going to have to leave unless you have a super strong person at the top who's keeping all the kids in line. And I, for everything, again, that Tim Cook brings to the table, I don't think he brings that skill set. I don't think he wants to have to bother right. with having to deal with corporate politics and right. with personalities. He wants everybody to work together. And we'll have to see how the new organization works. Maybe the excesses and maybe some of the mistakes in Apple's products will be repaired. And you notice one thing that may indicate a change already. Apple has been notorious for releasing product operating systems apps that are a little underbaked. Right now we see after the big publicity for iTunes 11, they postponed it a month why they need to work on it further to make it better. I have a feeling that maybe without these changes in the organizational system, that maybe iTunes 11 would have come out this month and there would have been two or three maintenance updates over the next few weeks. And I don't think after Maps that they could have afforded that. Um I think that they got a lot of bad pub from Maps, and probably deservedly so. And I don't think they could take something as, again, something that is so used as iTunes. And iTunes is used a lot. There's not a lot of love for it completely. It's it's caught its share of criticism over the years. But I don't think they could have afforded to have another hyped software release that underwhelmed. But you'll notice I think they're getting better. If we see Mountain Lion, I think the early release bugs in Mountain Lion were fewer than Lion. It's taken there supposedly is a report now that there's a 10.8.3 undergoing development but with 10.8.2 it's pretty solid I would agree um, I haven't I haven't had some issues with with it at all I think every new operating system has its um, cloud of critics who will say oh this is terrible and it has all of these bugs and they're not really clear or defined I installed mountain lion just like lion uh the day it was released as soon as i could get it installed and get my hands on it um and i have found it to be almost error free from my own perspective i had some bugs with lion i had to reinstall it a couple times um it was the first downloaded os that didn't come with a disc and i think that represented some issues and i was installing over top of my old os but with mountain lion it was a very clean install and and i haven't had any issues with it at all now, looking at the other side of the Scott Forstall departure, the, some of the critics suggest that it's a bad thing because the creative tension has been in part removed, that you need creative tension to go forward. But I have to say, if the creative tension prevents you from being creative because of all the fighting, all the infighting, all the egos, people fighting for different things that don't work towards the common goal of making the company move forward, that hurts Apple. I think it's going to be an interesting study over the next couple of years. I think there's a lot to be said for that creative tension. I think Steve encouraged that uh, from his early days. And I think a lot of the reason Apple was able to seemingly stay ahead of the curve is because they never got complacent. And they never fell too much in line with the um, let's just 
do what's easiest for the company here. Well, you know, creative tension doesn't mean yelling and getting in each other's face. Not always, although... Sometimes. Steve did quite a bit of that, too. Well, Um, there is that. There is that. We have Adrian Hoppel from MacLife magazine. He's a guy who covers Apple Legal. I'm going to ask him about an Apple Legal update in a moment. With Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many forms. Formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. 
My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. Welcome back to Get Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. With Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live, and we have Adrian Hoppel of Mac Life Magazine joining us. He covers a whole host of things, writing for Mac Life. Of course, lost in the furor about the launch of the new Apple products, the iPad Mini and the fourth generation iPad and all the other stuff, and the new iMacs coming, and the Fusion Drive, we maybe have forgotten what's going on with Apple's legal skirmishes with different people. But also the Federal Trade Commission now, they're preparing possibly a lawsuit against Google for some of their patent licensing concerns. You've heard of this? I I definitely have. Um, I haven't delved into it as deeply as I do with some of the Apple stuff, but I I think Google has been a reluctant player into the patent situation, and I think they're trying to play catch-up, and they're trying to secure a large enough portfolio of patents that they can leverage against Apple because they were rather surprised with this onslaught of lawsuits. It's, it is somewhat of a recent phenomena in the tech tech world to this extreme. Um, and I don't know that Google's done everything right. And I, I, I think the FTC is going to find a lot there to really question. Now, the issue here, of course, is so-called industry standard patents. But if you have something that you want to make available to other companies to license, it becomes part of the industry standard. Supposedly, you can't ask outrageous fees. You can't ask one company that's richer than another to pay 2.5% of each sale, say, of an iPhone, whereas another company with a comparable product, they'll pay maybe 1% or a dollar per unit or something. You have to be consistent, and the word is fair. That, Of course, fair could be a gray area. Correct. But, but the other issue here with Google is they acquire Motorola Mobility, which is a money-losing company. I don't think they've made money in years from their various handsets. At the same time, Google was hoping that they'd get control of all these patents so they can go after everybody else. They can defend themselves when Apple goes after various licensees of Android. But it may not work out that way. No, they haven't had any success with the patents that, that they've that they've collected there. And I don't think you could argue that that purchase for 12 plus billion dollars was for any purpose except for the patents. Yes, they picked up some hardware, then they picked up a brand name and, and they can produce their own phone, but that was never really their business model. They wanted the patents. They lost out on some high profile uh, patent bidding against Apple 
and they wanted to shore up their own side, but then they found in court that these patents haven't really done anything for them, certainly not to the extent of recouping what they spent to acquire them. So where does this go from here for Google and for Apple? I think the future here has got to be with these essential patent model where we're saying, yes, we do research and development and you do research and development and we have innovation and so do you. But when it becomes something that's essential to smartphones and when it becomes something that, you know, everybody reasonably needs to use, it's okay for you to use our patent if you pay us a fair license to use it. And when everybody agrees to this type of system that we're all going to pull these types of patents that are not incredibly unique but are innovative and we're going to offer them to each other at fair rates, you can't then go in there and sort of tip the scales and try and rake one company over the coals more than another or or kind of work outside what the court assigned agreement was going to be. And I think this is an area that's going to get fleshed out. I think the court, these trials are important because a set of rules is going to develop from here that's going to hopefully eliminate all of this courtroom drama that we've had for the last year and a half. It's going to allow them to actually act like adults. But you know, of course, Apple and Microsoft figured it out. Yeah, they had their legal skirmishes early on, but they have cross-licensing. You never hear any complaints about Apple and Microsoft. They may compete in the marketplace, but it's never about intellectual property. Never mentioned, never an issue. Right. And I think this is an area with Android in specific and Google that Steve Jobs really, really went to bat against. And I don't think Tim Cook shares the same enthusiasm for these suits. And I think he's much more open to some of the rumor talks that have been going on between him and Google and getting to a point where they can kind of exit out of these lawsuits and get to a spot where they can just focus on on innovation. I mean, last year was the first year that both Google and Apple spent more on legal fees than on research and development. That can't happen. That's bad for everybody. It's really bad for everybody. Well, at the same time, I don't think that Tim Cook disagrees with Jobs about violations of their intellectual property, but he realizes you have to be an adult enough to say, look, this is not going to work. We have to make some kind of cross-licensing agreement. We have to come to a conclusion Because all that's going to happen is you're going to be spending more money keeping the lawyers happy and healthy and fat and not build the products you want. Exactly. But they also, Google has to be more respective of where Apple is. It's not, it's so obvious. Look what happened here. Google buys Android and they bring it into the company. And if you look at what happened within a year after the iPhone is out, they're coming out with something that's an also-ran to the iPhone. Yeah, right. I guess they have some features that are better than Apple's, etc., etc. But the overall look and feel, if Apple didn't have the iPhone, it would look like a BlackBerry. Exactly. Same and with Samsung. I think Obviously, Samsung, you look at Samsung the year before right. the iPhone came out, it was all BlackBerry. Right. I think Samsung really tipped the scales. Um, And I think the big trial that came out in the U.S. over the summer showed that it was a corporate decision to to actually copy the iPhone as much as possible. I think that was that was really over and above any issue of, you know, we're all trying to develop the next big thing and we have to be adults about this. But when you copy my device exactly or close enough that there has to be some recourse in court. If you're just going to thumb your nose at us and say, well, whatever, we're going to do this, then I think there are times when you need to go to court and and pursue that issue. 
the level of lawsuits that are going on now and the amount of legal activity that's going on now is is really out of control from most people's perspective. It's hard to keep up on even from my industry just to write a weekly column and try and stay on top of everything that's going on. It's almost impossible. It's you insane. To- As they said with a commercial for a consumer electronics retailer, insane is the word. They really have to stop. Now, Samsung, you have to understand the culture at Samsung. Samsung has always been the kind of company that would take an existing product like high-definition TVs and kind of copy it. Sure. And in that industry, they got away with it. You didn't have all this skirmishing over patents because most products are pretty much alike. And Samsung built a really big business building great high-definition TVs. I mean, if you look at the ratings across Consumer Reports, Electronics Magazines, Home Theater Magazines, anytime they review a Samsung product, DVD player, or high-definition TV either LCD or plasma, Samsung is always at or near the top. Right. So they imitate and very well. They don't innovate they, so well. They don't innovate so well. They, You're right in that they imitate well, and they have really high operational standards. They make really good equipment. They make really good hardware. Apple uses them a lot for that reason. They're competent. Their engineers are competent, and their facilities are competent. They're not in any way just a company that makes their living from slavishly copying devices. But they thought they can get away with it because of their prior history. We have Adrian Hoppel from MacLife joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. In more ways than one, it's going to be a November to remember. Going on now, and just in time for the holidays, Emergency Essentials offers a huge Mountain House sale only at BePrepared.com. All Mountain House cans are 20 to 32% off. For example, a can of Mountain House Chili Mac, regularly $25.49, is now only $17.24. Scrambled eggs with bacon, usually $31.89, now only $21.56. And save 26% on a three-day emergency kit. Or save $123 on a one-month supply of freeze-dried and dehydrated foods. Gift shoppers, check out the Catadine Vario Water Filter at 26% off or get special pricing on the Gerber suspension multi-tool and the Volcano Stove Collapsible Cooking Combo. For details, call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and Emergency Essentials low price guarantee. But hurry, the November to Remember sale ends November 30th. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or beprepared.com. 
In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Two more segments with Adrian Hopple of MacLife Magazine, where he writes the Law and Apple column. Of course, he covers all the Apple legal skirmishes, Law and Apple at MacLife. Check it out at MacLife.com. It's the story that will never end, but we're going to end it for now. We'll see how things go on with our next visit. Now, in addition to an iPad mini, a fourth-generation iPad, the new iMac, the Fusion drives, the Mac mini, we also had this past week the arrival of Windows 8. Let me tell you the story about Windows 8. Now, for 15 years, Microsoft PR gets me a copy of the latest version of Windows, starting, I guess, with Windows 95 even. You know, way back when. No problem, because I have written books about Windows, too. I'm not just stuck in the Mac world. So I write to their PR agency, Wagner Edstrom, who's been their PR agency for a 1,000 years, and I say, okay, when Windows A is available, and I just got the information about the release to manufacturing a few months ago, give me a copy. They say, we'll get you on the list. So Windows 8 comes out on the 26th of October. We don't have a copy. So I write back, just send me the license number, and I'll download a copy. All right? That's how you're offering it to everybody anyway. And they give me a song and dance. And I finally wrote to Microsoft. It's not like, gee, he's too cheap to spend 40 bucks for the upgrade. No, it's the fact that when you're a journalist, you don't have a big budget. Even magazines, all these magazines, MacLife and the other publications, they don't have huge multi-million dollar budgets. They expect the companies to supply them with review product. 
especially because I have a 15-year history with Microsoft. I've put their people on my show and everything. Okay, so they give me the song and the dance, so I wrote to one of the executives of Microsoft and said, what is going on here? The next morning, I'm downloading Windows 8. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they read my articles at technightowl.com where they hear me on this show with Adrian and other guests like Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider attacking Microsoft, but you know what? We're trying to be fair. If they have good things going well, we're happy to say. Before I give you my assessment of Windows 8, have you played with it? I actually have the box sitting in my hands. I'm going to install it this weekend, so the short answer is no. I haven't played with it myself yet. You haven't played with the pre-release? No, I, I am looking forward to installing it. It looks interesting. I've been reading the reviews, and... Uh, I have an open mind for it. I was I was a rather big fan of Windows 7, and I know this is a big departure from that, uh, but I have high hopes. I, I like Microsoft to be a strong company, and I'm I'm an all-in Apple fanboy, um, you know, top to bottom, but I like the idea of Microsoft producing quality software and hardware nowadays, too. So I am looking forward to playing, playing with this. Don't want to prejudice your judgment. Feel okay. free to disagree with me because everybody does. <laughs> everybody on the planet disagrees with me, so you can join the club. Okay, so I use the public previews of Windows 8. I installed the release version using the latest Parallels Desktop 8 on the Mac for a virtual machine. And okay. this is certified as being fully compatible with all the features of Windows 8. One of the problems I see before everything else is that it is designed for touch devices. If you have a standard mouse and keyboard, it's not so good because you basically to make changes in the system, you have to capture these little hot spots. And if you miss the hot spot, if your mouse misses the hot spot, you got to go back again and do it over and over until you get to it. Or you might hit it accidentally with a touch screen. It's a little bit easy. And what they've done is they've done down the interface to a fare thee well. I mean, okay. for example, they have mail for Windows 8. Okay, now I set up some of my accounts on there to see how well it worked, and the interface to me strikes me as simplified even for a smartphone. So, for example, Mail for the iOS is a better program, more granular in the kind of options you can set and the kind of settings you could make. In this case here, what happens is Windows 8 wants to, for example, do your settings with Mail with the automatic system set up. So if you're connecting to an IMAP account, IMAP account being the one that stores all the email on your server, so wherever you log in to your email, you get the same messages. Okay, that's what I recommend. So I have several IMAP accounts with my technightowl.com and the paracast.com, etc. So I picked one of the accounts I had set up. It would never pick up the right settings. Okay? So it couldn't guess at it, So I had to enter the settings in manually in a way that differed from the way it's set up under Apple Mail and under Thunderbird and under even Microsoft's Outlook for the Mac before I could make it work. So despite trying to do something simple, it made it harder. That's one problem. The other is a schizophrenic jumping from desktop to tiled interface and that kind of thing. But I don't want you to prejudge your reaction to Windows 8 based on what I said. Well, I I think one of the things that you just said, Gene, is is a consistent theme in a lot of the reviews in that in trying to make things easier, they've made it harder. And the, a lot of the reviews that I read have been um, 
from the tech side, but some have also just interviewed some basic Microsoft users who are kind of lost. Because if you've been in that Microsoft world and you love your start menu and you love all of these things that you've come to get used to for the last 15 to 20 years or more, um, it's, it's, it's a big jump. It's a big jump. And I get everything they're doing, and I don't disagree with trying to tie in the phone and the tablet and the computer, and Apple's heading in that direction as well. Um, but they've made a big jump, and whether or not it alienates a large enough base of their audience, I guess, remains to be seen here. Let's go back, for example, of history. Back in 2010, the public beta of OS X had a non-functional Apple menu in the middle of the menu bar on the top of the screen, okay? Mm-hmm. When people saw this, they screamed at Apple, and Apple restored a more functional Apple menu in its traditional left portion of the menu bar. And that's not as functional as the version in OS 9, but at least it offers a reasonable number of features and capabilities you expect from that thing. Okay? So Apple took the message. Apple understood they can't get away with that. So we have people used to the start menu on Windows. Not a clicking start, but a start menu, even though technically it's inaccurately labeled. It isn't just start. You shut down from there. At least (laughs) you knew where everything was. Right. It's like Apple tomorrow releases OS 11. There's no Apple menu. There's no Finder. There's no desktop. There's no dock. Now, what do you think Mac users would think about that? They'd freak. And they'd be justified because why do you change something if it doesn't improve productivity? I mean, in the end, the computer is a tool. You use that to get work done, to play games, whatever. Check your email. Go online. The thing is here, the operating system shouldn't be the end-all, be-all of itself. It should be the mechanism to get to your apps, whatever they are. So right. if you make it, if you change something that people are used to, you better damn well have a reason, right. and you better be able to justify it, not by the look or the goal of PC Plus or integrating everything, but... Okay, is this more productive? Can I get my workout faster? Is the computer faster, more stable? Tell me the advantage of putting up with this stuff. And and again, we've when we talked about this before, it, when when your core audience is is the business world, to make a jump like this that's going to burden help desks and IT managers, I'm not sure what they expect the adoption rates to be from a corporate perspective, but it would, I think it would take a lot for for a big organization to say, look at all of our Windows 7 deployments. We're going to move them all to Windows 8, and it's a completely different layout. And we're not we're going to do that and not expect any loss in productivity from our employees. I think that's a huge jump. Well, it would be also be downright stupid, I think. And also a company has to consider it's not just somebody with maybe two, three people there and they're all computer savvy. But large corporations right. got thousands of Windows computers running Word, running corporate point-of-sale apps, whatever. And suddenly they're confronted with this new operating system. So what do you do? You have to retrain people. Right. You can't expect everybody to be a computer expert. So you have to hold classes, seminars. During that time, productivity takes a dive. But before the show takes a dive, we've got to handle this. We have Adrian Hoppel of MacLife. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs>
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. We take a lot for granted. Lights, water, even food we eat. But what if these things went away? Would you know how to protect your family in a natural or man-made disaster? Would you know how to survive? When disaster hits, power and water are gone and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves. You and your family may be waiting in long lines for help. Don't be helpless. Learn the secrets to survival at 123survivalplan.com. Do you know the 37 crucial food items you can't live without? Many people don't have these food items. Learn what you need to hoard at 123survivalplan.com. Recently, over 1 million people have viewed the video at 123survivalplan.com. These survival secrets are vital. The government suggests we maintain an emergency supply of food and water. But do you know the 37 food items that will fly off grocery shelves or a simple way to treat unsafe drinking water? This information is critical. Find it now on 123survivalplan.com. Don't take your family's safety for granted. Visit 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. One more segment on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're joined with Adrian Hoppel of MacLife Magazine. And the issue I was raising about Windows 8, and we'll get his reaction in a moment, is that for a corporation to consider this new operating system, they have to say, what's in it for me? How does it help my bottom line? Does it make my employees less error-prone? Does it make my employees more productive? Or does it just look different? And the problem here is with this, with the ribbon toolbar and other things Microsoft has done in trying to be relevant, what they have done is make everything confusing. Just look at the ads for Windows 8. What does that tell you about anything? I think it's somebody singing in a rock band. (laughs) What does this have to do with an operating system? It's going to be a jump. And in the business world, there are still a lot of employees out there who remember when email was new, when companies only had a few emails and you had to to go to the computer that had email, when not every cubicle or desk had a computer on it, when that wasn't part of the work workplace. And you have a new generation of workers coming out of college who are very adaptable and probably won't be phased by Windows 8. But I think if I was an IT manager at a large corporation, you really have to balance that. There are going to be the newer, younger employees who may not have a problem with that shift, but you still have a lot of employees that really rely on what they've learned and using that experience to be productive. They've been doing the same thing for a long time. And do you want to now completely flip-flop everything they've done on their computer with this new operating system just because it's new? My suspicion is the answer is going to be no to a larger percentage that Microsoft is going to be happy about because it is such a huge jump. Well, it's very interesting here, too, that there was a national survey recently a week or so back indicating a surprisingly small number of people Number one, even know about Windows 8. Number two, would have any interest in upgrading. I guess if they buy a new PC and it has Windows 8, that will be one thing. But I wonder how many of these companies like Dell and HP are going to sell these PCs and get calls saying, what is this? I want my (laughs) operating system back. Get rid of this stuff. And what a huge departure that is from the hype of Windows 95 and Windows 98 and Windows ME and and even XP when those came out. And it was as hyped as a new iPhone is today to the point now where Microsoft almost seems to be, I wouldn't say running under the radar, but it's certainly not the same culture of here's the new Windows release. Times have changed for sure. Well, the commercials don't make any sense. I mean, look at the ones for the Surface, and you got clicking and clacking and dancing, and what is this thing? You know, you're not even sure what it is because it's always on the kickstand. Have you guys over at MacLife had a chance to play with the Surface, or does your PC side over there play with that stuff? 
No, we, we have some pretty good reviews of it out on the site. Believe it or not, not everybody there is is 100% as Apple as some of us are. There were some employees there who really held on to Android devices and still do. There are a lot of gamers there as well. That still is an area where where Microsoft is holding sway. And a lot of people like myself, when I used to have time for that sort of thing, would would maintain two computers. I have my Mac for everything I'm doing, and I have my PC that I keep for you know gaming and fooling around with stuff like that. So we do get to play with a lot of the stuff, and there is a lot of enthusiasm for, for new technology in general. I haven't got my hands on a Surface uh, device yet. And personally, the commercials really turn me off. I don't necessarily want a lot of clicking and noise every time I'm using a device as slick as a tablet. It's almost it's almost like a stealth computer where I can carry it around, slide it out, get some work done, and all I see on the commercial is, is a lot of noise and activity. It's almost the opposite of what I think the tablet represents. You know, supposedly people a lot smarter than I are making those marketing decisions, but I would agree with you I, I, I in that I don't agree with them so far. So far from the reviews I've read, they say the hardware is pretty decent, but the kickstand has sharp edges. I guess that's not going to hurt if you have a normal computer desk, but if it's made of glass or something, it might dig in a little bit. You can't really use it on your lap with a kickstand. And the way it's presented, it's always horizontal with the kickstand with that keyboard cover unfurled. And you have to think Microsoft is selling this as a netbook, as a regular PC, just a slimmed-down PC. It's not something like the iPad. If you look at the iPad commercials that Apple produces, people are doing things on it. Hey, look what we can do. Look at all the things we can do. When you look at the surface, I guess you can dance. (laughs) You see people holding an iPad in both horizontal and vertical formats, but you primarily see a lot of hand swiping. You see a lot of fingers moving around, and it's very graceful and fluid. Um, You you get the opposite effect with, with the commercials for the Surface device. And I think Microsoft is looking at how much smartphones and tablets are cutting into the netbook do we even sell netbooks anymore to the even the even to the PC market and the holidays are coming up and I think um, that really is is where Apple is looking at as well with with their latest device when you look at the iPad Mini um, and where that compares in the marketplace I think it's absolutely targeting that same PC user the young or or lightweight PC user that Microsoft is trying to capture with the Surface device. And if the Surface doesn't go along well, doesn't sell out after the initial demand from early adopters is filled, if Windows 8 doesn't see a big uptake, and, for example, Microsoft is saying, oh, look at this, we sold 4 million copies of Windows 8 in the first four or five days. And maybe Apple in the same period sold 1 or 2 million copies of Mountain Lion. But Windows has, what, 8, 10 times as many users? That's not very good. Right. Percentage-wise, uh, it's not even going to be close. Um, Apple users are very quick to to download the latest and greatest, uh, both in iOS and on OS X. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen on Microsoft. I I think they're they're due for a little shift. I think they've made a lot of mistakes over the last few years. I, I think they've been following behind Apple uh, from the iPhone on and laughing at Apple when they would come out with these new devices and then trying to play catch-up. Uh, with the with the Zune and other types of things, and I'm not sure we're not in Zune territory with this new device. Um, and I think from the top down, you could see a you could see a recycling of staff there. The other issue being with Microsoft, if the Surface doesn't do well, 
if Windows 8 doesn't do as well as they expect, if the PC industry doesn't do well, I wonder how many people at Microsoft are going to clamor for the imminent departure of Steve Ballmer. Let him go out on a boat somewhere with Scott Forstall and compare notes or have them both yell at each other. I, I, I think that's where it's heading toward because I think, I think as we were talking about earlier, Ballmer has instituted sort of a corporate philosophy of, of everything is homogenized and everything is smooth and everything is, is working toward this gradual growth of Microsoft. And we're Microsoft. We don't have to make a big splash. Um, and I think they've been lapped by Apple and a lot of the other technology companies out there who are making better devices and better software. And you'd never say that 15 to 20 years ago. You'd never expect that at all. Um, and I think even when Bill Gates was there, they were very innovative and they were very cutting edge. And I can't think of an area where we've seen that from Balmer. And if Windows 8 doesn't perform like they hope it performs and Surface doesn't perform well, um, I don't know what else is left for Redmond to do but to look at the top. Well, I think the one thing that Microsoft could do is develop a rush-out version of Windows, say, 8.5 that emphasizes, again, the traditional desktop interface, saying, look, if you want the tiles, they're still there. We're not going to give them up. But if you want the traditional Windows look and feel and all your features, they're back there. And very important with the original Windows Start menu. Because in and of itself, under Windows 8, it's kind of a spruced-up version of Windows 7. So the right. elements are still there. They're just right. kind of hidden, kind of hidden away. Hey, Adrian Hopple, how do we get more information about the stuff that you write about? Law and Apple is the name of my column, and it is on MacLife.com every Wednesday afternoon. Keep up with that. And by the way, you can find out more of our stuff on Twitter. We send out all the tweets all the time. We are known as Tech Night Owl, Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Follow us, neighbors. We might even follow you. And we do follow a lot of our listeners, so we're happy to have that. Also, you can check us out on our main portal on the Internet, technightowl.com. That is technightowl.com. We have forums. We have cutting-edge blogs, all sorts of good stuff. And by the way, we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, the Paracast, featuring this weekend a discussion about a wave of incredible UFO sightings in and around Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. That's where it goes, on the Paracast at Paracast.com. To Adrian Hopple, thank you for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you, Gene. Appreciate it. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.